G'day everyone, it's Nikki from the Road Less Travelled Podcast. Welcome along to this week's edition. Hope that you're all doing well. Thanks so much for the feedback and the interaction that we've had in regards to previous episodes of the podcast. And to listen to those previous episodes, just jump onto our website, which is www.fatcatmedia.com.au. And that's fatcat with a P-H-A-T-C-A-T. Thanks for joining us this week and as we continue through the stages, no matter where you are in Australia, of lockdown, we thought this week that we'd take you on the Great Asian Road. We thought too that we'd start doing some local things that you can do once uh, lockdown is over and some people who are already in regional Victoria are able to uh, get out and about due to their lockdowns being dropped. That can change in an instant, as we know. So this week, we're going to talk about the Great Ocean Road. We've got some great episodes coming up along the way through uh, to WA, to Adelaide, up Darwin, <coughs> excuse me, Sydney, uh, Brisbane, and Hobart as well. So uh, your area, your region will be touched on. But this week, as I said, the Great Ocean Road. It's an Australian National Heritage listed 243 kilometre stretch of road along the southeastern coast of Australia. It's between the Victorian cities of Torquay and Allensford, built by returned soldiers between 1919 and 1932, and also dedicated to soldiers killed during World War I. The road is the world's largest war memorial. Winding through varying terrain along the coast and providing access to several prominent landmarks, including the Twelve Apostles, the limestone stack formations, the road is an important tourist attraction in this region. In December 2020, legislation went into effect to legally protect the Great Ocean Road, called the Great Ocean Road Environments Protection Act 2020. It starts at Torquay in Victoria, travels, as I said, 243 kilometres westward and finishes at Allensford, which is near Warrnambool, the largest city along the road. The road is a two-lane one in each direction highway and is covered by a speed limit changing between 50 kilometres per hour and 100 kilometres per hour. The road is considered a tourist attraction in the area in which much of the road hugs the coastline, affectionately known as the Surf Coast. Between Torquay and Cape Otway, the shipwreck coast further west of Cape Otway. This provides visibility of Bass Strait and the Southern Ocean. The road traverses rainforests as well as beaches and cliffs composed of limestone and sandstone, which is susceptible to erosion. The road travels via Anglesey, Lawn, Apollo Bay and Port Campbell, the latter being notable for its natural limestone and sandstone formations, including the Lockhart Gorge, the Grotto, the London Arch, which was formerly known as London Bridge, and the Twelve Apostles. The stretch of the Great Ocean Road nearer to Geelong, the road meanders along the coast, with tall, almost vertical cliffs on the other side of it. Road signs put up along the road warn motorists of possible rockfalls, which have occurred in the area before. The city of Geelong, close to Torquay, experiences great benefit from the Australian and international vehicles and visitors to the road, with Geelong Otway Tourism affirming it as an invaluable asset. The RACV, the Royal Automobile Club of Victoria, listed the road as the state's top tourism experience in Victoria in its 101 Victoria survey, based on spots recommended by members and the public on what they would recommend to other visitors. It has various events along the way, not along the way, but obviously along the way, but um, various times of the year, including the Great Ocean Road Marathon and various cycling events as well. 
The Great Ocean Road was first planned towards the end of World War I when Chairman of the then Country Roads Board, William Calder, asked the State War, uh, the State War Council to funds and for funds to be provided for returned soldiers to work on roads in sparsely and sparsely populated areas in the Western District of Victoria. At the time, the rugged coast southwest of Victoria was really accessible only by sea or by a very rough bush track, and it was envisaged that the road would connect isolated settlements on the coast and become what would also ultimately become a vital transport link for the timber industry and tourism. Surveying for the road, tentatively called at that point the South Coast Road, started in 1918, with the road suggested to travel from Barwon Heads following the coast west around Cape Otway and end somewhere near Warrnambool. In 1918, the Great Ocean Road Trust was formed as a private company under the helm of the President Howard Hitchcock. The company managed to secure £81,000 in capital from private subscription and borrowing, with Hitchcock himself contributing £3,000. Money would be repaid by charging drivers a toll until the debt was cleared and the road would be gifted to the state. So with all that in mind, construction on the road began on the 19th of September 1919. It was built by approximately 3,000 returned servicemen as a war memorial for fellow servicemen who had been killed in World War I. An advanced survey team progressed through the dense wilderness at approximately 3 kilometres a month. Construction was done all by hand using explosives, pick and shovel wheelbarrows and some small machinery and it was at times quite perilous with several workers killed on the job. The final sections along steep coastal mountains being the most difficult obviously to work on. Anecdotal evidence from the ABC archives in 1982 suggested that workers would rest detonators on their knees during travel as it was the softest ride for them. The soldiers were paid 10 shillings and sixpence for eight hours per day, also working half a day on Saturdays. They used tents for accommodation throughout and made use of a communal dining marquee and kitchen. Food cost up to 10 shillings a week. Now, despite the difficulty involved in constructing the road, the workers had to access, they did have access to a piano, gramophone, games, newspaper and magazines at their camps. In 1924, the steamboat Casino became stranded near Cape Patton after hitting a reef at Point Horden near Grey River. A legend has grown around its cargo, claiming that it jetsoned about 500 barrels of beer and 120 cases of spirits, and the road workers obtained the cargo, resulting in an unscheduled two-week-long drinking break. However, Museums Victoria noted that most of the cargo on the ship, largely composed of Christmas goods, was dumped into the sea. The Age newspaper at the time reported that the Great Ocean Road proved a boon to the passengers who were enabled with, without much inconvenience to reach Woods Farmhouse Apollo Bay. However, if the road were finished, the vessel's cargo could be safely conveyed to either Apollo Bay, Apollo Bay Lawn or Wye River. In eight, uh, on the 18th of March in 1922, the section from Eastern View to Lawn was officially opened with celebrations. However, it was soon closed from the 10th of May 1922 for further work, opening again on the 21st of December, along with tolls, obviously, to recoup the construction costs. The charge was payable at Eastern View was two shillings for motor cars and ten shillings for wagons with more than two horses. In November 1932, the section of lawn to Apollo Bay was finished, bringing the road to completion. 
The road was then officially opened via Victoria's Lieutenant Governor Sir William Irvine holding a ceremony near Lawn's Grand Pacific Hotel and the road subsequently being acknowledged as the world's largest war memorial. At the time, the Age newspaper commented that in the face of the almost insurmountable odds, the Great Ocean Road has materialised from a dream, or a wildcat scheme as many dubbed it, into concrete reality. Although Hitchcock had died of heart disease in 1932 before the road was completed, his car was driven behind the governors in the procession along the road during the opening ceremony. A memorial was constructed in his name on the road to Mount Defiance near Lawn, and he is still affectionately considered the father of the road. In its original state, the road was considered a formidable drive, fitting only a single vehicle comfortably at a time. Areas with sheer cliffs would be most hazardous, with only a few places for drivers to pull over to allow others to proceed in the opposite direction. For £5, any public-spirited citizen could request that a crossover be cut into the road. On the 2nd of October 1936, the road was handed to the state government with the deed of the road presented to the Victorian Premier at a ceremony at the Cathedral Rock Toll Gate. And it was at this time, back in 1936, that the tolls were removed. In 1939, with the death of the chairman of the Country Road Boards, W.T.B. McCormick, who was also an honorary engineer for the Great Ocean Roads Trust, it was decided to build a memorial arch across the road at Eastern View. The arch was built of timber logs on a stone base with a tablet memorial to Mr. McCormick on one side and the other was to return servicemen on the other. It was opened on the 4th of November 1939. It was rebuilt in 1973 and again in 1983 after it was destroyed by the Ash Wednesday bushfires. In 1962, the road was deemed by the Tourist Development Authority to be one of the world's greatest scenic roads. It also had sections widened between Lawn Hotel and Pacific Hotel to improve traffic with aiming to preserve its character. And despite improvements, the road was still considered a challenging drive. The Victorian Police Motor School even used it for training around 1966. Over its life, the Great Ocean Road has been susceptible to natural elements. In 1960, the section of Princetown was partially washed away by winter, winter storms, and it experienced landslides in 1964 and 1971, both closing sections of the road near Lawn. Because of the terrain surrounding the road, it was also closed due to bushfires in 1962 and 1964, particularly in areas with nearby campsites, and in January 2011, a section of the overhanging cliffs cliffs rather collapsed due to heavy rain and in 2011 the road was added to the national australian national heritage list so let's talk about some of the towns that you can visit along the great ocean road the road less traveled podcast is a proudly australian fiercely independent podcast hosted and produced by me nikki shea for fat cat media We receive no corporate payments, which means we rely on self-sufficient financial support. If you can and are able to, we would love you to support us via Patreon. Listen to the Road Less Travelled podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. So where to stay on the Great Ocean Road? Well, no matter what your budget is, there are several accommodation options along the Great Ocean Road, as I can put a sentence together. If the weather is good and even it's not, if it's not, to be honest, camping is one of the best ways to experience the stunning local habitat. And if you're a beach lover, then you can pitch up at one of the excellent beachfront campsites such as Joanna's Beach or Blanket Bay. 
or if you love to be among the greenery, <coughs> pardon me, then you can camp at a site in or near one of the national parks. If you are budget conscious, uh, there's youth hostels such as Bells Beach Backpackers and Apollo Bay Youth Hostel. They offer great uh, self-catering accommodation for those on the budget and for te- fantastic choice for solo travellers as well. But if hostel isn't your thing, there are other options. Uh, the Lawn Hotel has great value rooms, as does the Ocean Road Brew House in Apollo Bay. The latter is connected to a brewery, so you can sample some of the local brews before heading upstairs for a comfy night's sleep. If budget isn't really for you, you don't really want road too much, you can stay at a place where the ocean, Great Ocean Road celebrates an official opening by spending the night at the Grand Pacific Hotel in Lawn. That place is steeped in history, uh, a beautiful building with charming rooms and an on-site restaurant with sea views. And if you'd like to opt for a self-catering apartment, then Airbnb have several unique options to choose from. You can book in one of the campsite lodges or their many hotels. And of course, for a real taste of luxury with some of the most stunning views on earth, you can stay at the road's most photographed property, which is the Pole House, suspended 40 metres above Fairhaven. This luxurious pad has all the views that will absolutely take your breath away, guaranteed. It's absolutely sensational. Check it out. The Pole House, it is called. So there's plenty to do. Sightseeing tours, you can actually book a sightseeing tour as well when uh, when organising a trip, or you can just hook up the caravan like we did and just go along the Great Ocean Road. If you're into surfing, the stereotypical Aussie pastime, surfing is fantastic along Victoria's southern coast. Bells Beach is home to the world's famous Rip Curl Pro. But there are also several other excellent places to jump on a board, no matter what your ability level. If you're a beginner, you can head to Torquay, Anglesey and Lawn. They take a lesson uh, available from various pros at the local surf schools. If you're a more advanced surfer, then you can experience the great winds and the big breakers of Torquay and Bells Beach before visiting one of the best surf spots in Victoria's, Johanna Beach, which is 35 kilometres west of Apollo Bay. And, of course, as I mentioned in the intro, the incredible natural wonders of the Great Ocean Road. Some of the most iconic sites along the route are the natural rock formations carved from the limestone cliffs over millions of years. The Twelve Apostles are probably the most famous of these. Standing high above the waves, these tall limestone stacks battle to remain standing as the crashing waves slowly wear down their bases. And interesting to know that there was never 12 stacks and the name of the 12 apostles was actually adopted because it sounded more appealing than the previous name, which was the sow and piglets. Only seven stacks now remain, but they're still an impressive sight to see, especially at sunset. Nearby is the Lockard Gorge, a picturesque inlet featuring clear blue waters and flanked by two yellow-hued cliff sides. This small little bay has a really fascinating history involving a shipwreck, the Lockhart, that sank beneath the waves in 1878. It was en route from England to Melbourne and that ship named Lockhart collided with a rocky reef and all but two passengers perished. The only survivors, Tom and Eva, became famous throughout Australia and England and the two rock pillars at the gorge take names from them. Further west is London Bridge, sometimes called London Arch, in the Port Campbell National Park. I guess we can say, just like in the song, London Bridge is falling down, that's precisely what happened here. In 1990, the bridge that connected the rock formation to the land unexpectedly collapsed, leaving the natural arch isolated from the mainland. Even without the bridge, the London Arch is still simply a beautiful example of the erosive power of the ocean. 
Several of Aussie's cutest critters live along the Great Ocean Road. You can stop off at Kennet River and gaze up to the branches of the eucalyptus trees to see koalas. And you can purchase seeds on the on-site shop to feed the colourful king parrots. During the winter months, many of the lookouts along the Great Ocean Road offer fantastic viewing platforms for whale watching. The southern right whales and the humpback whales swim through these waters during this time of year on their way to breed in warmer waters. You can look out for the telltale plumes of spray to spot one of these absolutely incredible marine mammals. There's plenty of kangaroos and wallabies also living along the route, generally favouring the grasslands and forests. They're pretty much commonly seen hopping through the landscape at dusk and dawn. You can also see kangaroos and wallabies and many other animals at the Otways National Park or at the wildlife parks such as the Great Ocean Road Wildlife Park and Tower Hill Wildlife Reserve. So what better way to take on the wonderful scenery of the Great Ocean Road than by strolling through the rainforest trails and along its coastal tracks while taking in absolutely stunning and dramatic views. There are walking tracks found throughout the national parks along much of the coastline too and there is absolutely something to suit all walkers of all ages and abilities. You can watch the surfers tackle the waves along the surf coast walk from Torquay to Lawn or you can meander through the national parks towards the Twelve Apostles along the Great Ocean Walk. For a look at some of Australia's best rainforests, you can explore the walkways of the Great Otway National Park. Absolutely stunning. Something like out of Jurassic Park. You can enjoy the peace and tranquility here as you watch the sun rays break through the canopy and reflect off the trickling streams and the cascading waterfalls. And like most tourist destinations these days, scattered throughout the towns along the Great Ocean Road are several superb places to grab a bite to eat. You can enjoy ice cream snack at Dooley's Ice Cream in Apollo Bay or indulge at the Great Ocean Road Chocolate uh, Chocolatierie, I think they call it, the Chocolatierie, and the Ice Creamery at Belbray. For a more substantial meal, you could stop off at Aries Pub or enjoy a taste of the Mediterranean at the Greek restaurant in Lawn. Iposis, whose owners were welcome back with open arms after owning a restaurant on the road years before. There's also breweries and wineries along the road serving up excellent drops. The Airy Pub has its own microbrewery, Rogue Wave, and in Lawn you can also enjoy free samples at the cellar door of St Anne's Vineyards. No matter what you taste, there's something for you along the Great Ocean Road. The beautiful town's Torquay. It's the gateway to the Great Ocean Road. It's got everything that you need for a relaxing stay or just an exhilarating water-based adventure. It's home to the world-famous Bells Beach. It is a surfing mecca, whether you want to jump in the waves, shop among the surf brands or explore the Surf World Museum. Anglesey is just like the other towns on the Great Ocean Road. It has beautifully clean air and ocean views, but it also has excellent opportunities for wildlife and nature spotting. You can look out for the eastern grey kangaroos hopping through the bush or across the golf course and search for rare orchids among the abundant flora. And if you love art, then you can embark upon the Anglesey Art Walk, a 2.5 kilometre walk that displays unique mosaics along the way. Lawn is an absolutely stunning town. As I said, most of them are along there. There's no doubt about it. A town where bush meets the beach. The delightful town of Lawn is probably one of the perfect places to set up and fire up the barbecue, gaze across the blue waters of the Bass Strait. There are 10 waterfalls within 10 kilometres of Lawn, it also offers great chances to see the natural wonders of the region. Or you might want to take it easy, grab a town, head to the main beach. It's one of the only patrolled beaches during summer, so it's a great place for all of the family. 
A popular stop along the coastal route, Apollo Bay has a great selection of places to eat and stay. A perfect mix of seaside town and outdoor escape. You can relax on the beach here. You can stroll among the rolling green hills or explore the nearby Great Otway National Park. This town is also excellent for seafood with scallop pies being particularly popular with the visitors. If you're looking for a place to stop close by to the Twelve Apostles, then Port Campbell is absolutely perfect. It's located west of the most popular sites on the Great Ocean Road. The town boasts many restaurants and cafes and has shops and galleries to explore as well. For the keen angler, the harbour and local creeks offer excellent fishing or you can join a boat tour and cast your line into the open ocean. It's just a fantastic place, plenty of things to do and see along the Great Ocean Road. This sort of talk that we've done today hasn't really done it justice, but uh, the, the sightseeing tours that you can do, a guided tour you can do, you can jump on the internet um, and, and have a look at plenty of self-drive tours that you can do, but it's known as one of the most spectacular drives along uh, the world, a, a, rather one of the most spectacular driving routes in the world along the Great Ocean Road. It's just an iconic Australian destination. It hugs the coastline, meanders through the rainforest and cutting through pretty towns, and it's a route that offers not only stunning views but action-packed adventures and activities too. It's 243 kilometres long. The road begins approximately 100 kilometres from the city centre of Melbourne. It's the world's longest war memorial. Um, it was built between 1919 and 1932 by World War I veterans. And you can visit the road in one day. You can take a few days or weeks to experience all that it has to offer. It's home to some of Australia's most iconic animals. The most popular tourist attractions are uh, the Bells Beach, the Memorial Arch, the 100km Great Ocean Walk, the Great Otway National Park, the Twelve Apostles, Lockhart Gorge, London Arch and Tower Hill Wildlife Reserve. And if you have the, the time, obviously take your time on the trip. Don't try and do it all in one day because you'll simply miss out on all the fantastic things that the Great Ocean Road has to offer. And, and um, you can uncover history in every corner uh, of the Great Ocean Road. One of my favourite places, and I don't know why, it's just really a really nice, charming little fishing village at the end of the Great Ocean Road. It's the last destination on the famed shipwreck coast, and it's Port Ferry. It boasts wide streets lined with 19th century cottages, great Norfolk pines and old stone churches. Now you can join in the fun of the Port Ferry Folk Festival and a buzzing local art scene. Get active in the water and you see all the native animals and southern right whales, seals and dolphins to wallabies, kangaroos and emus. You can take a walk down to the local port which is one of the busiest fishing ports in Victoria. And you can actually watch as the fishermen unload their catch of crayfish and abalone. From the wharf, you can head out to sea on one of the guided fishing trips, or you can take a cruise out to the seal colony on the Lady Julia Percy Island. And as I said earlier on, there's uh, just so many fine examples of 1800s architecture. With more than 50 buildings classified by the National Trust, Port Ferry is the perfect holiday spot for history buffs. You can follow one of the historic walking trails and discover charming, just fully restored whitewashed cottages built by the whalers and the seamen behind the Georgian-style um, merchants' homes and the grand public buildings. You can learn more about the local maritime history on the Port Ferry Mar Maritime and Shipwreck Heritage Walk as well, one that I really enjoyed doing, and I recommend that you do it if you uh, happen to be in Port Ferry. And as we said, the uh, area around the Great Ocean Road follows the shipwreck coast, which hugs that coastline, famous, obviously, for the various shipwrecks 
throughout the time. And you can soak up the fresh sea air with stunning natural attractions and maritime history at Aries Inlet, which is another little seaside hamlet on the Great Ocean Road. You can let the looming Split Point Lighthouse be your guide as you wander around town. Built in 1891 and perched on the cliffs 70 metres above sea level, the lighthouse is the subject of local ghost stories and maritime legends. You can take a tour to learn more about the region's past whilst enjoying the sweeping views of the Eagle Rock Marine Sanctuary. So Split Point Lighthouse, it's a must-see attraction, stands as a stunning sentinel on the shipwreck coast. You can take a trip back through time in maritime history and just be amazed by this really wild and dangerous coastline where hundreds of ships have crashed. It is still a vital working lighthouse for vessels navigating the treacherous waters of Bass Strait and still operates every night by an automated system. Today, though, it's famous for its role in the TV series Around the Twist, and you might spot a pot of dolphins or whales from the top of the balcony. The lighthouse is open daily for tours, obviously, weather and COVID-19 uh, permitting. You can come on for the tour uh, of the top, either express or guided, and you can enjoy the marvellous 360-degree views of the stunning coastline. It's just out in Aries, Aries Inlet on the Great Ocean Road, and check it out. Absolutely funny. Uh, Split Point Lighthouse. And whilst you associate much of the area, obviously, with shipwrecks and coastal and limestone cliffs and so forth, as I mentioned earlier, some of the area is renowned for rainforest and it is like stepping back into what you would imagine Jurassic Park to look like. You can immerse yourself in some of Australia's best rainforest scenery with the Otway, Otway Ranges, where it's amongst the tall trees, ancient plant life and lush ferns. You can walk amongst the giant tree ferns at Mate's Rest, see the glowworms at Melbourne Gully, or experience the full beauty of this rainforest paradise on the Otway Fly Tree Top Walk. To make the most of your time throughout the area, base yourself at one of the villages on the doorstep of the park, which can be Lawn, Apollo Bay, Anglesey, Aries Inlet, or Colac. You can discover high waterfalls in the National Park's narrow valleys, ranging from the impressive Triplet Falls to secluded falls over fern fringe pools. Head out from Lawn to explore the 10 different waterfalls all within easy reach of the town. For dramatic cliffs and a swim at a secluded beach, make your way to the remote and beautiful Cape Otway, where you can enjoy the great outdoors, explore the wonders of the Otways at the same time. Or if you are in, to, with, if you do have a bit of time, settle in for a few nights of stargazing on a camping trip reveling in the changing landscape and just absolutely vibrant flora and fauna on the Great Ocean Walk where you can hit the tracks and trails even on a mountain bike as well. So make sure if you are in the area to lap up everything that it offers. The Melbourne Gully Glowworms, Lake Elizabeth, uh, it's a beautiful calm waters of a little valley that was flooded more than 50 years ago. The Great Otway National Park, it stretches from Torquay through to Princetown and up through the Otways. Uh, you can hear the roar of droplets pounding into the waters below uh, of spectacular waterfalls and cascades at the various lakes and waterways. Cape Otway, uh, venture there, the southernmost point of the region for the remote rainforest and coastal views. It's absolutely sensational. Plenty to see and do. You can jump on to visitmelbourne.com and check out the Great Ocean Road with things to do. And it's just you will never, even if you, I think if you had months to uh, to dedicate to doing the trip, I think you'd still miss out on seeing things. So wherever you are, make sure that you do put it down on your bucket list. 
uh, one of the world's most famous and it brings a huge amount of tourism to Melbourne and Victoria is the Great Ocean Road. So make sure you put it on your agenda, put it on your bucket list of things to do when we're able to get out travelling uh, on the road, less travelled once we're out of the whole COVID restrictions. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you've got something that you'd like us to feature on the show, please reach out to us, drop us an email or an SMS 0427528467 or that email fatcat at iinet.net.au. My name is Nikki Shea. You've been looking to the listening rather to the Road Less Travel podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and don't forget to leave a review when you do subscribe to us on your wherever you like to listen to your favourite podcast platform, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Google, SoundCloud, wherever it is, iHeartRadio. We appreciate you tuning in. We look forward to your company somewhere on the Road Less Travelled. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. This has been the Road Less Travelled a podcast about travelling and camping on the road. Written and hosted by me, Nikki Shea, produced by Fat Cat Media. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we'd love you to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Even better, please leave a review. Any comments or questions, please email fatcat at iinet.net.au and to be notified on the new episodes, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed.